0: Good morning, morning. it's good to be with um, my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'm sure that many of you can attest is uh, as you become more mature in Christ, um, you grow in your, just your devotion and your love for the body and understanding the reality that um, um, God has put all of us in this body for a purpose, we're uniquely put here and um, so I'm, I'm thankful for you. Um, As many of you know, uh, I'm a school teacher, and this last week was the first uh, full week of class for TPS, and um, remember, fellow teachers, that uh, God's grace is sufficient. And anyhow, um, on Friday, uh, I have the great privilege of being able to um, have taken my road with my daughters to school. Faith started with me in pre-K. We were eight years every day together, so this is the first year she's not with me, but uh, Grace Ann and Lillian ride to work with me every day. And on Friday, um, I told Lillian, you know, this is it. And she looked at me, you know, with uh, her face kind of lit up, and she was like, you mean it's over? (laughs) And I said, well, it's over for the week. And, you know, her countenance kind of fell, and then she became a little indignant, and she said, well, you know what? Kids have to go to school. We should make the rules on how long school is. And, uh, you know, if you've worked in uh, public school, there, you know, you m- might get more done if that were the case. Um, however, if you want to title today's message, um, it is the body of Christ. And, um, but really, more importantly, um, how we need each other. And um, I think, you know, because of the times that we live in, maybe we need each other more than ever, um, except maybe the beginning of the church after Pentecost. Uh, we live in um, just times where we need the fellowship of believers. So if you would please turn to John um, 13, 34. Our Lord spoke these words on the night of his betrayal, and uh, what I wanted you to notice um, as we read the scripture is that he prefaced, um, he prefaced his statement with a new command I give you. Uh, so John thirteen thirty four and 35. Uh, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are, by, you are my disciples if you love one another. And um, I, this, was, this was the verse that kind of came to my mind as God brought the message about the body of Christ. And uh, again, as I read it, I was just struck about how he says a new command that I give you, that somehow a special love and bond relationship uh, is supposed to exist between the body of believers, Um, somehow different um, uh, than the command in Matthew where he commands us to love our neighbors uh, and to love those who, uh, who, who persecute us. But this is on top of that, that we should have a special love for one another. Um, in john thirteen thirty four and thirty five Jesus is establishing the basis for the unique uh, love and fellowship that exists between those of us that are in Christ. Uh, we see this uh, fellowship first manifest itself um, after Peter addressed the crowd at Pentecost and, and three thousand were added. Um, so if you would please turn to your bibles to acts two forty two They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to, one, to anyone who needed, excuse me, had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Uh, to prepare for this message, um, in case you want to read this book, um, I drew a lot from, it's called True Community by Jerry Bridges. And he makes this Uh, following statement about the passage that we just read in Acts. According to Acts 2-5, the first believers who were gathered into the church on the day of Pentecost came from every nation under heaven. Prior to their conversion, they would have related to one another like billiard balls, constantly colliding and bouncing off one another. But immediately after coming into the community relationship of the body of Christ, they began to experience... and to value its effect in their lives Um, so we live a shared life in christ and that is how it was from the very beginning that's how it was intended to be from the very beginning of the church um, the believers uh, were were uh, in true community they a deep fellowship and part of it was because of the circumstances they came from. Uh, many of them couldn't go back home. But from the very beginning, the this sense of true community of I believe our recognition or realization that we need one another is an an, an acknowledge, excuse me, an acknowledgement of how dependent on the Lord we are. So when we when we realize or when we understand or when we accept that we do truly need one another, it's really just an acknowledgment of how dependent we are on the Lord, that the Lord ministers healing and his goodness and his tenderness uh, toward us through the body. Um, Now, we know that salvation is for the individual. You know, salvation comes to the individual when the individual responds to the gospel invitation. But immediately... Uh, we are incorporated into the body of Christ. There's no time lapse. We are immediately incorporated into the body of Christ, and the body of Christ as in, you know, in totality across space and time. But um, uh, kind of my emphasis today is the body of Christ at the local church level and how um, here at TCF uh, each member um, has a, um, the great privilege of ministering using their gifts to minister to the body. In Romans 12, 5, we read that in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And so whether um, whether we like that or not, we, we belong to each other. We're, we're, we're in this together. Um, in the book, True Community Again, this is actually a quote from uh, J.I. Packer, not... Um, Jerry Bridges. We should not think of our fellowship with other Christians as a spiritual luxury, you know, something that we can um, take or leave, or, or an extra, an optional addition to the exercise of private devotion. We should recognize, rather, that such fellowship is a spiritual necessity. For God has made us in such a way that our fellowship with himself is fed by our fellow ship with fellow christians um case in point the the word that uh sarah brought this morning of encouragement uh also uh, i was thinking about uh, last week when susie got up and she was um giving a word about how the testimony the testimony of other believers is meant to encourage and strengthen our faith So we who are the body have a responsibility to minister God's grace, his loving kindness, and mercy to one another, um, to use our different gifts to serve the body. Uh, if you would please turn to Romans 12, and chapter uh, 12, 3 through 8. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesying in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is, in, in, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. And um, before I read the rest of that, I, I often think about that because um, many of you can attest to this. Um, there are so many uh, members of the body here that have brought me encouragement um, over the years, and whether it be through um, affirmation um, or through uh, a word. Uh, many years ago, uh, Andrew Mackendorfer began to send me little postcards in the mail, and at first I didn't even know who they were coming from, but they were little messages uh, I was, it was in a time of my life I was, I was struggling. Um, I wasn't regularly attending church and these postcards started popping up in the mail and, uh, they were just, you know, little words, little verses, little words of encouragement. And, um, the, uh, they were really ministering God's love for me. And, um, uh, years later, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, um, uh, I Had the chance to talk to Andrew, maybe it was a couple years ago, and I brought that up to him. I said, "Do you remember sending me those postcards?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "Well, wh- where did that come from, you know?" And he said, "Well, I was in a. You said something to me one time that uh, you know ministered to me, that meant something to me, and um, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to minister to you. So I know that uh, many, if not all of you, have experienced." that form of relationship um, here in the body at TCF. If it, is to if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. The, the giving generously also sticks with me because often when I'm reading in the, um, it's not the pamphlet, but the, the bulletin, thank you. Often when I'm reading in the bulletin and I look at the uh, the missions giving and what's in the mission shortfall and and the amount of missionaries that are um, supported and the other support that goes out, you just it's encouraging. It's encouraging to belong to a body of believers that are so giving that take that that don't just give um, out of their excess, but even give out of um, more than, you know, uh, the 10%. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Uh, I'm also, along with you, I'm sure, very um, thankful to be led by the group of elders that we are. Um, Not only um, are they godly men, but they're accessible. And um, although... I. You know, I, I feel like I know all of them intimately. I've spent time with them. I've spent time in their homes, with their families. They've given of their time to invest in my life and the life of my family. Um, and I know there's nothing special about us. I know that they are accessible for that. And so um, I am deeply grateful, like you, that we are led by godly men um, that exhibit the characteristics of Christ. Before I move on uh, to some application of ways that the body ministers to itself, I just want to pause for a moment and declare to you that um, apart from him, we can do nothing. We know that as I speak about the body, I speak because we, we are connected to him. You know, as long as we remain in the vine, then we have something to give. We have something to share with the body. And so um, let me read John and 14. Uh, Excuse me, John 15, verses 4 and 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we are only able to minister uh, to the body as we stay connected to the head. So therefore, just as in all things, God is the source, and we are merely being obedient. And as I read about the body of Christ in the Bible, uh, primarily in the Bible, um, books help you to be a little bit more eloquent in how you state things, but primarily in the Bible, what I was... really what i was overwhelmed by is god's master design that in his infinite grace and wisdom and mercy he could look down through time and eternity and see this person needs to be in this group of believers this this person is going to fit here i know that um, you know jason needs certain things and um to place me in a in a group of, or a body of believers to minister to that I came out of um, probably like some of you I came out of um, brokenness in the home and the uh, one of the things that God has done for me through the body here is just minister his love and acceptance um, my, uh, my father was an alcoholic, and um, to be fair to him, his father was an alcoholic, and his father was probably an alcoholic, and he just wasn't equipped, wasn't equipped to be, wasn't equipped to be a father. And um, he left the home uh, when I was in the fifth grade. And, um, I saw him one more time before he passed at the young age of 39. But, um, so I grew up, um, you know, without much, without a male role model. My mom remarried, and my stepfather, again, just wasn't equipped. And, um, again, to be fair to him, he grew up in a home of brokenness. He came out of a very difficult situation. But God, um knew this and made a way for me. He surrounded me by men at TCF um, early on, um, Carl Eason that I'll talk more about in a little bit, um, Gordon Wright, and other, and, and since then he's given me deep relationships with Joel Vasanen and um, Bill Sullivan, and often Jim Garrett will see me And say something to me—a word of affirmation—and I take all of this as God's loving kindness toward me. That He is, um, He knew my brokenness, and He and He uses the body to minister to my brokenness. And again, I know that I am not unique or special in His eyes. That um, that He loves all of us equally, and that He ministers to all of us. Through the body, our brokenness, whether we came from an intact family or not, there is brokenness in us because we live in a fallen world. And he um, uses the body to minister healing. So therefore, as in all things, like I said previously, that God uh, remains the source, that he is the focal point of all this, even though the message is about the body, as I the more I studied, the more all roads pointed back to him, that he is a master architect and designer. So I would like to highlight three way, three areas of ministry within the body. And these, of course, are not exhaustive because as I go through these, you'll be able to think of many ways that you've been ministered to. But um, I believe God wanted me to be a little... Um, uh, just give some personal testimony. So um, the first area that I want to highlight is confession. Um, and so if you'll please turn to me to James five sixteen. Obviously, the confession of sin needs to happen first between us and the Lord. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But some of us, um, maybe some of you, because of the background that we came out of Christ into, um, there's just a lot of stuff there, and and that was true of me, and um, I needed to. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew that I had been released from my sin the moment I um, gave my life to Christ but I just felt a deep need to just get some of this stuff out. So James five sixteen. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. On um, August 16, 1996, 1711 South Memorial Drive, apartment 145. It was Saturday in the evening um, that uh, I surrendered to the Lord. And um, I remember it very vividly. And again, I knew that the the weight of sin was released. I knew that. that The next morning I woke up, I woke up a different man. Um, The burden the despair that it once consumed me was, was gone. In fact, um, shortly before, about a year prior to that, I was in Alaska working um, a salmon fishing season and um, the skipper of my boat said something to me that uh, stuck with me since then. He said, uh, Jason, you have such a chip on your shoulder, You bring everybody around you down. And it was true. It was the weight of sin that was crushing me. And I was running from the Lord. That's why I was in Alaska. (laughs) And um, praise be to him that he is a relentless pursuer of our souls. And that he doesn't give up. So... Um, I had this this deep need to confess to as part of the healing, and um, actually, as I prepared for this message, I realized that you know my mother, previous to my conversion, had spoke with Carl Eason about me, and um, I had met with Carl one time before I gave my life to Christ. We met in a McDonald's, and I talked to him for a little bit and, um, you know, walked away, not, you know, I basically, it was one of those mom favors, you know, you do something for your mom, but after my conversion, um, Carl and I began to meet, thank you, Carl, every Wednesday for months and months, we've been, if you've been to their house, that first room where Doris has all her, well, not all of her because they're all over the house, but many, many of the knickknacks, the the christmas and the 4th of july and all just all these things carl and i would sit in there on the sofa and carl would listen to me as i poured out my heart and he wouldn't judge and he really wouldn't say much of all he would just listen and then when we were done he would pray and if you've ever prayed with carl carl always prays scripture you know when carl prays it's scripture so as carl would pray there would be this ministering that happened um, because I would be hearing the word of God and Wednesday after Wednesday week after week month after month I don't remember the exact days but Carl was my priest as it were, he just listened to me and um, if he ever thought anything different of me, never let on I believe he accepted that and his opinion of me didn't change and that was part of the healing process that took place in my life, as God was ridding me of these, this stuff inside, of wrong thinking, of uh, when you grow, um, when you grow up in dysfunction, the your whole reference point for how family should work, for how people should interact, is distorted, and so Carl was the beginning of God showing me. Um, maybe a picture of family, maybe a picture of a father with his son. Um, Point number two, um, support and care for one another. Um, The body here, and I made sure I checked with somebody who'd been here longer than me, Uh, but the body here has a great history of supporting and caring for one another, and um, the uh, the mills for pregnancies. Those of you that were helping the Travers move yesterday, um, the uh, the Thorps who we have a some relationship with, but it, it's not extremely deep. But I know that it's when. When Misty had to go to the hospital, the first name that popped in my head that I knew they would care for my children the way that I did were the Thorpes. And I knew that they would say, yes, bring them on over. And so there's just a long, deep history here of um, the body supporting and caring for itself. First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty-five, please. This is a lot easier than teaching at school. Because at school, stop that, be quiet, all eyes on me, give me five, what are you doing? (laughs) Although I do enjoy that as well. Uh, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. And um, this is really beautiful because... When you are truly connected to Christ, when somebody has a burden, it isn 't experiential it 's not something that you just have head knowledge of, but you you mourn and sigh to some degree you you feel their pain, i guess for for lack of a better phrase right now um, you You grieve with them, and it 's because the spirit of God in you is, is is doing the grieving, and I find that beautiful where as I become more mature in Christ and, and um, as my love has deepened for the body, that when I hear a need, that it's just not, oh, that's too bad. But you, you feel it inside. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it and again in second corinthians 8 13 through 14 our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed but that there might be equality at the present time you, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need the goal is equality as it is written the one who gathered much did not have too much and the one who gathered little did not have too little so again the principle of we are we are living a shared life and so not only are we supposed to share burdens share joys but we are also to share material things Many of you know that my sister um, many of you know that my sister uh, took her own life um, just a few years ago. And um, this idea of the body supporting and caring uh, really became evident to me during this time there were, there was nobody to do the funeral. Um, I wanted, I didn't want my mom, I wanted my mom to be able to grieve the loss of her daughter and not be overwhelmed with all these things, so I called Bill Sullivan, and I asked him if he would do it, and of course, you know, Bill, he he quickly agreed, but as, as the things began to unfold, there was a lot of spiritual warfare um, my sisters, um, my sister's sons who were involved wanted to do certain things that were, um, that would have just taken away from the, uh, the funeral and, um, and granted they come out of extreme brokenness, so I'm not, I'm not casting dispar. Uh, I'm not blaming them at all. It's just there was all this spiritual warfare. And so as this began to go on and I began to get unstre- extremely uncomfortable, I called Bill. and Because I was like, if I'm uncomfortable and I'm family, I can only imagine how somebody who sees this from the outside and who's fielding telephone calls. And so I called Bill and I, I told him. I said, I totally understand if you don't want to do this. And fully, I didn't expect him to say that he didn't want to do it, but I was fine if he didn't because this was really kind of stressful and and overwhelming. And um, Bill told me, he said, I am with you in this to the end. And um, again, as I was studying for this uh, message, I was really struck about how, again, God... Um, God just being a support right Um, providing uh, Bill's um, friendship and his encouragement um, just when it was needed most and so the funeral the funeral starts and there's a there's a few hiccups um, to put it mildly but uh, you know, Bill's giving the message, a great message, um, where salvation is part of it, and many of the people needed to hear there. And behind him was Jim Grinnell, who gave, um, who did part of the, uh, the funeral. And then I, I got up and said a few words about my sister. And when I look up, I, I see Gordon and Sue Wright. I see Patty Elin. I see Jody McIndorfer. I see Jim Jim Garrett, and if I forgot your name, I'm sorry, but I look up and I see the body there supporting in this very just emotional and critical time that God sent his people into this environment to support, just not only support myself, but I know that my mom um, felt supported as a result of you being there and thank you for that thank you very much I just um, before I move on to my third point the uh, about when Faith was five and Grace Ann was three I began, uh, I started uh, being overwhelmed with um, just this troubling reoccurring thought what if something happened to my wife and I you know, tragic accident, what if something happened to my wife and I and um, I've, I, I'd, made no, I'd made no plans, what would happen to our children who would raise our children and um If you know me very well, my wife's probably the only one who knows this about me. You know, it's just, I don't think like that. I mean, I don't worry. And, um, but this was coming, you know, this, this kept popping up and popping up. And so I went to my wife and I talked to her about it. And um, then I just, you know, we, we went to Bill and Barb and we said, uh, you know, we just laid it on the table. You know, if something were to happen to my wife and I, would you care for our two? Now it's six, so they may want to rethink it, right? <laughs> and they weren't taking care of elderly parents at the time either, so. But anyhow, um, of course, they uh, they prayed about it, and they came back and and said, yes, we will do that. We will take care. And um, in hindsight, I realized that it probably had nothing to do with the tragic accident. It had to do with binding myself and my wife together with another member of the body you know we now share a deep and abiding relationship with bill and barb and i believe that was the beginning that god was saying i will make allowances for you i will take care of you um i will provide and um it's just it, again as i as i look back on certain episodes like it's a beautiful thing that god um just orchestrates in a very intimate way these things in our lives so that ultimately uh, we can glorify him. Um, Psalm 68.6, he sets the lonely in families. Um, this, when I read this verse, I said, that's me, that's me. Um, and I see my family... I, when, and also the way that I applied applied that I applied applied that to the family of God. He sets the lonely in families. Some of us, because our circumstances, um, whether it be distance or discord, um, need the fellowship in the family of God. Um, It's essential to our growth. It's essential to our. um, It's essential to our healing, and so I'm. Again, I'm just so thankful for the the fellowship of believers here. So point three, God gives us special relationships within the body to minister his love toward us. I'm going to read a a short passage now from uh, a book called Church Life. I didn't read much of it. I read a few chapters. Uh, It was written by Clay Sterrett. God wants the local church to be like family. Scripture says, "Now you are no str- excuse me. Now you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian." For those who have never been part of, a, for those who have never been part of a normal, loving family, the church ought to provide some of that same love and acceptance that every person basically needs. Again, the Bible says God sets the lonely in families. In a loving family, the members do not just attend meetings together. They enjoy each other's company and eat meals together. They also work out problems and sometimes even face painful confrontations. In our families, when something happens that we do not like and our feathers get ruffled, we, don't, we do not just pack our bags and move to another family. So as God was uh, orchestrating this um, unique and special bond that um, my wife and I have with uh, the Sullivans, uh, through that he has provided a uh, well, he has ministered not only to myself, but also to my wife and our children through that relationship. Um, as I've already mentioned, my father passed. He was 39 years old when he passed. Uh, my wife's father lives in Pennsylvania. And so uh, our, our children really don't have a grandfather, you know. And those, those of you who are grandparents... And those of you who enjoy grandparents, you know that role can be indispensable in the life of a child, to have somebody else speaking truth and the word of God into their life, Um, especially as they enter preteen and teenage years and parents don't know anything, and they become really smart. It is um, crucial to have other people to speak into their lives. And so Bill has filled this role in... Uh, the life of our children, he frequently comes and picks our three oldest daughters up, and he takes them out just to hang out with them. And um, I'd actually, a few months ago, I had went over to Barb and I'd, uh, I just said, I want to thank you, and she was like, for what? And I said, just you know, thank you for letting Bill leave and come and spend time with my kids. And she was like, are you kidding me, Jason? He'd be unbearable to live with if I didn't let him. <laughs> so. What I um, what I came to learn is, though Bill is ministering God's grace and His goodness to my children, Bill has a deep Bill has a need to be around kids. Bill um, is ministered to from being around children. Why do you think he's doing Bible Bowl into his? By the way, he's sixty two today. So, uh, why do you think he's ministering to kids at Bible Bowl into his sixties? It, it feeds his soul. So. Um, I know God revealed to me that my children, there's a reciprocity there, you know, that yes, he is providing this, but God in his great grace and love for Bill is ministering to Bill through um, our children when they behave. In closing, I would just like to reiterate that um, how fortunate we are to belong to the body of Christ here. And uh, I was writing—I was probably wasn't writing because I always drive. Maybe my mind was absent from the body, and I felt like I was writing Um, down the road as I was uh, thinking about the message early on when Bill had first called me. And one word popped into my mind, and it was um, heritage. And so I asked uh, some older TCFers, and as I had already stated previously, that we have a rich heritage here of this deep fellowship. And as long as God sees fit to have uh, for this church to exist, I believe that we of the younger generations the Xers I believe oh, that's where I am and the Y's and the Millennials and I believe we have a responsibility to um, and a great privilege to continue this on um, to to the younger generations and um, so in closing I would like to read Ephesians three twenty and 21 Now to him who is able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine, I thought about that. Uh, excuse me, as I reflected on um, how God has provided for my immediate family, and I know that you can. Um, I know that each of you have something that you can reflect on as well. How God has provided for you through this body. Now to him who is able to do measurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.